For the story behind the action, catch Tabiso Musia weekdays at 7 p.m. So let's look back at the London Marathon. And then there was a lot of hype in the build-up to the race on a Sunday. And uh, let's start off with the women's race. We're joined on the line by Manfred Sideline, athletics commentator. Manfred, good evening and thank you again for speaking to us here on SAFM. Uh, good evening. Always a pleasure. Great. Always great chatting to you, Manfred. Manfred, let's start with Harda Stein finishing seventh. She received a lot of praise for that performance. How do you rate it? Oh, it's phenomenal. It's it's. I, I was able to chat to her in the week building up to the race and she wasn't shy. She wanted to. I mean, she had she had uh, three goals, if you would. The one was obviously to break her best time, which she'd run in New York last year, two twenty seven forty eight. Then she wanted to run uh, if, if you know if conditions were good, she'd chase the SA record, and then if uh, things were going really well, she'd even go. She tried to even go faster. But so we all know how how abysmal the weather was. It, it was. Freezing. They say it's mm. perfect marathon running weather, but <laughs> ten degrees with a pouring rain, and there was wind. It's, it's you know, the, the, the temperature is not the problem. It's the wind chill factor, and it's the rain, and, and um, so the conditions were absolutely brutal. Um, and um, I, I mean, I, I can only applaud her performance. A tenth, uh, sorry, seventh in a, in a world marathon major. It, it's absolutely phenomenal, uh, improving her best time by. Uh, what uh, uh, I'm not going to do my maths. Just uh, 40, 49 seconds, um, and just missing out on the SA record by 15 seconds. That's under those conditions is, is an absolutely incredible performance, and I can I think we're only going to see better and better from her. And the record will go. I can't see it lasting, not with her around. That's the record of Colin Derrick set at the 96 Berlin Marathon. I actually was not aware that Kharda was going for it before the race. So I mean, it's a it's a brilliant showing then, considering the weather conditions and how she just missed it. No, absolutely. Um, you know, Kharda was so she wasn't vocal about it. Yeah. You had to ask her, and, and she would say, "Look, I'm I'm, I'm not scared, scared to put it out there that I have targets." Um, and and uh, one of them, as I said, was her personal best, and then there's a record. So she, she's not afraid of, of setting herself goals. She's not afraid of pushing the boundaries. Um, but she had to work. You could really, really see she had to walk, work. I don't know if you if you watched the marathon, but yes, yes, I did. Um, it, it was obviously just over 19 laps. And she was, as she was about to start her last lap, um, she was passed by the leader, Bridget Kosko. Um and there was a fantastic camera shot of, of Hada's mouth hanging open, meaning she was gasping for air, which meaning she was running on the rivet. So she was pushing herself exceptionally hard. Um, and I, I firmly believe that if the conditions had been better, then that record would have actually gone. You've mentioned Brigitte Koske already. She was a comfortable winner at the end, mm-hmm. the defending champion. Was she the clear favorite for you, or was it a, a tight, were you expecting a tight one between her and the world champion, Ruth? No, I think Bridget had the had the advantage. I mean, if you think, you know, two fourteen for the marathon, which is you, you, she'd beat most of the men in South Africa right now in the marathon, and, and in fact, she'd probably beat ninety percent of them. Sounds sounds pretty scary, but she'd probably beat eighty to ninety percent of the men in the marathon in South Africa. That's how good she is. So she had to be the favourite, but we all know that favourites have to deliver on the day. Elliot Kipchoge obviously being a, a classic example. Mm. But but she was the favourite and and um 
initially I thought that there was a, there was a stage in the race where Ruth Chapman Gettridge, uh, the world champion, had just sort of opened a little get, bit of a gap, and I thought, oh, that was early in the race, and uh, the pacemaker just dropped off, and and Costco came back, and then you know when it was time to open a gap, it was a uh, wasn't a gentle acceleration, it was almost as if, if she dropped two gears and and just you know floored the accelerator and, and open up a, a very a gap very quickly. Um, and Chapin Gettich started to struggle. I mean, we saw how amazingly Sarah Hall came flying through yeah. for the finish. Um, Chapin Gettich was, was a spent force, but it was absolutely amazing to be so. And those weather conditions, they were still running 220 for the marathon. Uh, you know, you know, this was a sort of spectacular event. I mean, we, we cannot, I don't think we grasp how good the women's race in particular was with those times. I mean, just under 219, 218.59. Costco doing, I mean, once she'd broken away, it was not was never a case of, I'm going to push times, I'm going to push myself to the river. There was no need to it. It was all about the win. Um, but still, you know, the top three under 221, uh, it's, it's phenomenal. It is, it's just unbelievable what has happened. It's, it's incredible to see what has happened in women's marathon running. It's, it's exciting times. Was Sarah Hall a surprise because I see the Americans haven't stopped raving about about her performance? Even she seemed surprised, actually. Well, the interesting thing was is that if you looked at the how the race unfolded, everybody had sort of like a, a pace group, and and Sarah Hall was virtually on her own the entire race. She she had a game plan, she hit um, specific time targets, um, and she ticked those boxes, and and she was able to come through. I think she also had a point to prove because she's not in the U.S. Olympic team. And um, the way the, the, the Americans select their team is, is that the championships, top three across the line, go, um, which is both good and bad. You know exactly what you need to do, but the bad is if you have a bad performance uh, on, 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 on uh, trial day, but you could be the better athlete, you don't end up going. And I think Sarah Hall had a, a excuse me, had a, had a point to prove. She was she was going to U, uh, USAT of saying, look, guys. You made a mistake, and here's the proof. Big upset in the men's race then, but firstly, was it how disappointing was it not to have again Anissa Begele there? I think it was actually very, very sad, because obviously the entire build-up yes. had been about, about Kipchoge and Bekele, and it, it's actually frightening how almost larger than life these two athletes have become, because you look at you look at that field, and it was but it was a it was a very very it was a deep field. You had Lema in there, you had Tola in there, you had uh, Kitata in there, you had uh, Kipchumba in there, you had Gerame oh I can't pronounce his surname Geremu. There we go yeah. uh, in the in the field. And and Kitata and Geremu were second and third in London last year. And remember, Kipchoge pulled them both to a sub two or three. Um, so this was a quality field. This was a stacked field. Uh, so even with Bekele pulling out, which obviously was the big showdown, this was always going to be a, a, an incredible race, and especially when you started to see Kipchoge was was not in dominant form. Um, I mean, a lot of us were speculating, okay, mm. it's 25 Ks, he needs to start going. 30 Ks, okay, you better go. You don't have the leg speed. You don't have, you don't have the actual speed. You've got the acceleration. You can maintain a high tempo. But these guys, if it comes to sprint finish, um, and you're running at 205, 206 pace is compared to 203, 202 pace. He hasn't run the sting out of their tail. It was, you know, it was 
all the Kipchoge fans that I wasn't engaging with, and I unashamedly admit that I'm one of them, were like going, <laughs> oh, what's going on here? No, we can't have this. But you know what? Um, he's run he's run uh, uh, 13 competitive marathons, legal marathons. With, uh, so 15, if you exc- uh, including the two sub-two attempts. Um, he's only been beaten once. Um, okay, now twice. And the first uh, time that he was beaten, it took a world record, record to beat him. That was Wilson Kipsang, and he finished second. So the, the guy, he's still King, King Kipchoge. You know, one bad race doesn't take away from, from his, his reputation. But what it does do is shows that he's vulnerable. Um, and we saw that with Usain Bolt when people started to, to snap at his heels. That, that air of invincibility was gone. And it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with Kipchoge, I, I don't know if he's going to do another marathon next year before the Olympics. Um, but his big goal is to defend his title in, in Tokyo. So, it, it, you know, if you had asked us five days ago who's going to win the Olympic marathon, there was always only one answer. <laughs> right now, um, there's more than one answer. So, you know, he's, been, he's shown himself to be human after all. He he tweeted off shortly after the race that he had a blocked ear how would a blocked ear have affected him then? Well, so, so your ears obviously help with your balance, mm-hmm. um, and you know if you if you're not if you're not entirely if you're not able to balance properly, that affects your stride, it affects your rhythm, um, and if it was a quite if it was a painful scenario, that under those conditions is not it, it's just simply not pleasant to run. Um, and he said he was in incredible pain, and I know he was he was devastated when he finished. You know, when he crossed the line, when they interviewed him afterwards, um, you could actually see that he he was he was not a happy man. Um, and 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 pain is you know mar- the marathon is a brutal event. We we always go on about how how tough comrades into oceans are, but mm. the pace these guys are running at at, a, at the marathon that's it's. Brutal. It, your body takes a hammering of epic proportions, and if just the smallest thing goes wrong, you, you're in big trouble. Um, so you know it's not it's not un, un, unheard of. Um, you know, the, the the blocked ear, like yeah. I said, the balance would have been affected. His rhythm would have been affected. Um, and when you're in pain and you're running, your body's not relaxed, so you start tensing up. Which it's just a knock-on effect. It's just it, you know. It, yeah. Um, one Can- thing. We're going to continue it after this quick break, Manfred. Tabiso Musia on SAFM. Okay, we've spoken about Kipchoge and his blocked ear, and Manfred has explained to us how it could have affected him. It makes sense, and the pain that he was under, but take n- that he was in, but take nothing away, Manfred, uh, from Shura Kitata there. I know people saying it wasn't the fastest of, fastest of times, 205.41, but what an exciting finish there at the end. It was, wasn't it? I mean, we, we, we all thought that with uh, Kipchunga put in that surge, that was it. Yeah. Um, and then and then Kitata came back at him. It was fantastic. It was like was like watching a 100-meter sprint final. <laughs> yes. um, and it, it reminded me of the, the 2000 Olympic Games 10,000-meter final where, where Gebe Selassie just, just put Paul Turgut on the line. And you beat him by 0.07 seconds. So it was closer than the 100-meter final. And this was... <laughs> This was right on the same scale. It, it was. Uh, it, I, this is why I love running. This is why I love road running. This is why I love track and field. It's the drama. It's it's the you know until you've crossed that line, you know it's 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 not done and dusted. You know we were all like I said we coming back to Kipcho. We were all like going okay you can come back. No, he couldn't come back. Um, and so that that drama was there. Then then 
you know, then came down to the last three. It was, I, I love marathon running, especially when it's like this. Um, and, you know, it, well, there's been numerous occasions when we've seen that, you know, back in 2004, Henry Cromato was also pipped on the line literally by Paul Turgat in New York. Mm. Um, and it was a case of Henry Cromato stumbling in the last two, three strides that gave Turgat the, the, the victory. And this was right up there with it. So, you know, the world marathon majors are, are, are attracting the most amazing fields of, of athletes, and, and we, we, we can expect drama every single time. This was actually almost better than watching a, a paced race, um, you know, where the athletes have got a target to be going for the world record or if you're going for this time and so on, and the pacemakers stick with them. Even though there were pacemakers in this race, with the weather and, and they were, it was quite clear they weren't going to be going for that pace. Um, you know, for for a potential uh, a course record, um, and also the fact that that they just went out too slow. They, when they started, they were already on two hundred five pace. Mm. Um, so this was real racing. It was racing at its best, and I, I just love it. And he, you know, Kitata is like he went from second, he went to first. He's a big name now. I mean, he, he was always a big name, but he's now right up there with the with the all stars, if you want to if you want to call it that. So. Huge victory for him. And unfortunately for the Kenyan fans, it means that Ethiopia has once again sort of picked the Kenyans. Um, <laughs> and, and there's just, that rivalry yeah. too. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I believe they were all watching the Kenyans. And uh, the commentator kept on saying how they are all watching in the group uh, yes. in Kenya. But we also had a South African Melikaya France of PE finishing 21st mm. place uh, at, in the men's race. What can you tell us about him? And what happened to Elroy Galant? Uh, I feel so gutted for Elroy. I, I actually went to visit him in Poch two, um, two weeks ago, so a week before he left, um, and watched him do his last training session and had a chat to him. And I, I must be honest, when, when Elroy was added to the field and when it was announced um, a few weeks ago, like two months or so ago, I phoned him. And I haven't heard him so happy, calm, confident in almost two years. Um, and he was, and, and I think we all were expecting and hoping for something really good for him. He ran 2.10.39 in Cape Town last year, so he's qualified for the Olympics. Um, but he didn't go to London because he wanted to, you know, oh, it's London Marathon. He went to London with a, with a plan. He wanted to be running 2.08, and if things were going well, he wanted to even run faster. Um, the problem with, unfortunately, with El was that a week beforehand, um, picked up a, a serious nerve impingement that, that might be sciatica. Um, so he underwent treatment. He even had an injection before he left. All legal. They got a TUE, a therapeutic use exemption. Um, and he still messaged me the day before the race. And he said, oh, you know, the weather, it's, it's rainy, it's cold. Hopefully it'll be better today, uh, tomorrow. But I'm feeling good. And he sounded excited. Um, and, you, you, you know, we followed him. We didn't see much of him in the race. Um, but you could follow him on the strips and so on. And he just, he started off well. He started off exactly on target and he started to go backwards. And after 25 kilometers, he pulled out. Um, and he sent me a voice note this morning and he, he was trying to be brave, but you could hear the disappointment in his voice. He was saying, you know, um, it's part of the game. It's part of racing, but you know, four or five months of build up, he didn't do that to get, go to London and stop after 25 kilometers. Um, he was disappointed um, he's flying back today, him and Melikaya are both yeah. flying back today. Um, and we'll then see a doctor um, and, and then take it from there. It, it's a bitter pill for him to swallow, uh, I think, and he's very disappointed. He, an athlete knows what sort of shape yeah. they're in. 
and he knew he was in special shape. So I, I feel for him. This was a big breakthrough, and it's the World Marathon Majors. Look, history was made because I think this is the first time um, that three South Africans were at a World Marathon Majors, Kanda, Elroy, and Melikaya. So it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, and was 21st and hope- place a good showing for Melikaya? It was. It was. He, he ran a personal best, yes. and that's the key. People all go, ah, you know, he should have done better. He's targeting the, the Olympics. You know, the, correct, was targeting the Olympic standard. But if you look at his progression, this is only his third marathon and only his first one ever on the international stage, and he goes straight to London. <laughs> that's huge. It's <laughs> a big deal. I mean, he ran, he ran 2.15.41 on debut in, in Cape Town in 2017. He improved that by almost a minute. Uh, two years later, last year, 2014.57, and he's now gone a minute and seven seconds faster. He's run a personal best. You can't ask for anything else. Um, I know they were going for an Olympic qualifier, mm. and and they were on target until about 35, and then the wheels came off. Um, and he did say after the race, he sent his, his, uh, his coach, um, uh, Mike Mbambani, a message, and, and he said, I, it was so cold. Coach, it was so cold. When when I finished, they had to help me take my clothes off. I was sh- shivering so badly. Um, and, you know, the, the whole thing is he was supposed to fly out with Elroy on the Sunday. Mm. He only ended up flying out on the Tuesday because he had to get another COVID test. Mm. Um, I had sent uh, Mike uh, a voice note with, with some questions for an interview, and, and Mike did the interview, but um, he did it with uh, Melikaya's phone and Melikaya just switched his phone off and, and he was just so nervous and so apprehensive. Um, this was a big deal for him. So, you know what? He did exceptionally well. He did a PB by over a minute on the biggest, almost the biggest stage of his career and only his third marathon. You can't praise him enough. Definitely. Exactly. We're going to have to leave it there then. Melikaya Franz running a 2.13.5.0 there at the London Marathon, missing out on that Olympic qualifying time of 2.11.30. But thank you to Manfred. Thank you for that wonderful in-depth uh, review and analysis of the London Marathon. It was an exciting one to watch. Hopefully, to watch. Hopefully we'll catch up soon again, Manfred. Okay, let's move right along uh, because uh, there was also the Springbok Showdown rugby game there between the Springbok Green and the Springbok Gold. Let's find out from Kanye Sochuaku, uh, Sunday Times sports reporter and uh, also from the SABC, a part of our team here at the SABC with the commentary. Kanye so good evening. Thanks for speaking to us on SAFM. Good evening, Tabiso. Good evening to the listeners. Many say the game did not live up to expectations or the hype. Do you agree or do you disagree? It depends on what you wanted out of this game. I think because people heard the fact that it was a trial game and that there was a draft, there was, because I think people expected the game to be some sort of an all-star game. Um, and that being an all-star game, they thought that um, because there was, there was a mix and match of players, they thought that players were going to have a, a license to attack. But also remember with new combinations, it, it then realizes that coaches then have to coach new tactics. So, I mean, I was slightly disappointed that not because the teams were attacking. I don't think the teams were attacking, but I thought that the coaches would have at least um, be able to, um, the coaches would be able to at least have some sort of imprint um, on the game in particular. So that, um, I think if, to, to, if you watch the game, you would have liked to see what kind of coaching Guadi Mystic is mm. with the green team. We'd have loved to kind of see what kind of coach Day on David, Day on David is, even though we've seen Dion David um, with the King. So I think my expectations are tempered. Just also watching specific individuals 
and seeing how well they actually can play. So, um, look, I there were performances. I mean, there was one performance, especially from uh, David Williams, who I think tried too hard. But other than that, I think, again, it's only week two of... Um, it's only week two of to the guy of the guys coming back to rugby, so I think from the I think the expectations are a bit too high. So I think when you look at this coming Friday, I mean this is going to be the start of Super Rugby and not to the shop hosting the Lions. I think from about week three onwards, um, that's when we are going to start to see proper rugby starting to take shape. Okay, you've already mentioned Damien Willems. It feels like we talk about him every week now. Uh, last week, we spoke to his coach, Dobo, that the Stormers, who still believes that he is a 10. But I've seen the articles already today. People are not convinced. They reckon he must be shifted now from, from 10 because it's not been convincing. I think the issue of Damien Willems says that, you know, when you're a player and you've got every trick in the book, I think it starts to become when do you apply your tricks and how do you apply your tricks? Sometimes you don't have to apply your tricks. It's just playing the game that is in front of you. Um, I think um, with Damien in particular, I think the pressure started to get to him. It's going to his head that people could be saying things to him. And also with Katie Bolite back now, or with Western Province, right? He's got young competition. Um, young competition in that um, Katie plays the percentages very well. Um, not that Damien doesn't, but um, if he can play the percentages... Um, and played what's in front of him because I think on Saturday it needed a tempered approach. Elton showed the way that all you do is just play towards the tempered approach, you play what's in front of you. And in some way, it was a lesson. So I think if you can take that lesson and run with it, then realize that sometimes you don't have to play with every chicken in the book. Elton has shown that he's the most skilled slav in the country, but he showed with every game that you play the game differently. You don't play today's game in the way you played yesterday's game. You treat each game with new merit. Did Asanel know Hamba grab his uh, opportunity? Because uh, I'm sure you're not, you were not surprised by his performances because a lot of people have tipped him for greatness. Well, yeah. Um, look, I mean, Sia Kolisi said it all um, in his post-match press conference where he said that um, it was a pity that they didn't have any, um, that many opportunities to play, to actually get into the goal team top and actually see him attack. So it would have been nice. We've seen him in the Sharks when the Sharks of the front football is absolutely amazing. We saw the try that he helped create um, in the Sharks' first game of the season when they beat the Bulls at Kings Park. So Usalene is literally, to put it this way, I'm, I'm not lost for words per se, but you, you are actually starting to see star quality shine through and, and at a young age. And also one needs to remember that um, at the Sharks, there were three young scrum off the team. It's Jaden Henderson and it's Grant Williams. So there's internal competition. So the longer you play and with more competition you play, you'll get better. So look, he, and remember that he can also play south. So if you've got a halfback that can cover nine and ten, um, you realize as a coach that you've got a general player. That means now, if you can have a scrum off, you can play nine and ten. That means you can play a pure scrum off through the game, all the game. If that's particular scrum off the fringe. You've got someone who can cover nine and ten. Nine and ten. So look, he's a fine, he's a fine. I'm not lost for words to say, but one wants to see him play consistently mm-hmm. and see what kind of tricks he has in the book. Also wanted to see see him play in different conditions. So I think super rugby 
robbed him, robbed us of seeing him in full flight this season, and also robbed us of seeing Napoli Fasi. What about that uh, winger from uh, from the Kings there, Yao Peng? I see he Yao seems Peng. like he seems like he's put himself on the market, Yao Peng. What can you no, tell us about to, him? You, to, you mean, should know him very well. Put it on the money. Because uh, because on the money when he said um, things aren't going well for them in PE, so he needed a shop floor, and he used that shop floor to advertise himself. If you were looking for a Yao Peng named GTI that was fresh, um, fresh off the box, he played like one. He test drove himself, and he passed with flying colors. If the teams aren't done with their purchases, I mean, they may be looking around and realizing that, hey, there's a man for the, he fixed the boat. And, I mean, he now needs to make a choice if he's actually, if, if the franchise is going for it, because there's the South African teams that are going north to play in the Pro 16. Mm. And then you've got the cheaters who've fallen out. Do you now go for the cheaters and be content with playing domestic rugby? Or do you go for one of the big four and be happy to fight for your place? But what more can you tell us about him? A lot of people don't follow the Pro 14. What's, what's his background like? Because I know he's a, baby, he's a baby bock also, right? Yes, the baby bock. He went to Queen's College. I think he matriculated around 2014, if I remember correctly. Very talented player. Um, he, 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 he played the bulk of his rugby in, 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 in EP. So, look, he's very talented. He's shown... He played very. He played regularly for the EP Kings. Um, so, um, what people saw on Saturday is what people have generally got from my Alpine. Fast, very intuitive, very intelligent, um, very strong in the air. So he asked a number of questions that um, I, I, I mean again, the box cabs at wings. It, it's very stacked. I mean, there's a Spoonkos you couldn't play. There's a Makasone Mapin you couldn't play. So the competition is big there. But you then realize that the more competition you have, um, the better. I mean, look at what happens in New Zealand. When one wing goes off injured, there's one one wing just comes in and takes their place. I mean, look at New Zealand, an uh, example now, at, at New Zealand in particular, where there's a Will Jordan who's keeping guard at David Havili, and we also need to remember how good David Havili is. So, yeah, the fact that we have that competition um, speaks volumes of the players that are coming through, but also an indictment on the death of the King system because there's so many players that have come through the King system who use the Kings as a platform to thrive, and they no longer have that platform anymore. Finally, um, I saw the box coach Jacques Nenaba was there, but Rasse Rasmus wasn't there, and they're saying that um, it's precaution, it's a COVID-19 precaution. What's the issue there? No, there was a press on the winner last week. He has a pre-existing condition. I forgot what the issue that he had, but I think it, it did affect him quite badly, um, I think, um, last year, just before the World Cup. Mm. So I think they, they took a precaution that they'd rather not have him there um, as a safety measure. So I, I just forgot what the name of the condition oh. he has. But, um, yes, he wasn't there. And I think they did say, I think it's around the I think they issued the press on Monday, mm. if not Tuesday, where they said that the precondition that he has um, does make him susceptible to, um, to, to COVID. So it was a safety precaution that it's like we took by not having Rassi at the stadium. Okay, no, great stuff. Then Kanyiso Chwaku from uh, the Sunday Times, thank you very much for speaking to us and just giving us uh, what your thoughts are on that um, uh, match between the Springbok Gold as well as the Springbok Green at Loftus. You can still send us your voice notes if you do want to react to that.